We'd like a word. About publishing. You're listening to part three of the We'd Like a Word episode on publishing with me, Paul Waters. And me, Stephen Colgan. And we have Karen Sullivan from Arenda Books and Miranda Jewess from Viper Books with us. I say, what about support of authors? Because Karen alluded to this a bit earlier. We've got uh, a question here from Stephanie Brotherton, who's the author of Bone Lines. And uh, I didn't tell people who we were going to be speaking to in advance because I didn't want you to be deluged. But um, from the vague outlines, Stephanie guessed who it might be. And in particular, Karen, she said, oh, yeah, they are really brilliant at looking after their authors at Arenda and organizing all sorts of marketing and promo, including group author tours and events. And they have a lot of bloggers in their kind of family, in inverted commas. Her question is uh, about how you treat your authors and I suppose making it a bit more like a, a family and how important that is. But, I, you know, it's the same thing to both of you. I, I know Steve was saying that authors can feel um, isolated and alienated and not at all supported or communicated with, not thinking of any in particular. Um, but, you know, what sort of approach do you take once the book is out and you're trying to market it? How collaborative is that? Yes, absolutely. It's it's critical. And I was an author um, in before I started Arenda Books. I wrote nonfiction. I wrote about uh, raising children and nutrition and um, emotional health and well-being and that sort of thing. And and the author experience for me was difficult because <laughs> I was sent off with a PR person, you know, from a big PR company to do tons of radio and TV and to conferences and all sorts of things. And I didn't know a single person. Um, I didn't know the person I was with. Nobody gave me any guidance. It was, I, I was so like, it was such a lonely experience. I mean, social media wasn't so huge um, at the outset. So there was no sort of opportunity to engage with other authors or people in the community then. But, but I, when I started Amanda, I wanted, I was very acutely aware of that. And I wanted to have a company where everyone feels part of a team where we're friends as well as colleagues, where we mutually support each other, um, that I'm here, you know, part psychologist, part editor um, for, for things that come up. And, and it really, it really pays off um, because, you know, particularly during this pandemic, you know, some of my authors have found it really difficult to write. Other ones are like machines and have, you know, dumped three books on my desk. And, and it's, but everyone's different. And, you know, you, you have to have that relationship to understand that. And I think, you know, as, as the author I was, what would I have done now? This would have been horrendous. You actually all go on bus tours together. Yes. So we do. That's unusual, year, isn't it? For six years, we've done the Arenda Roadshow. And, you know, part of my strategy, marketing strategy, particularly because we have international authors, um, we need to demystify them a bit, if you like, because a lot of readers will say translated fiction. Oh, you know, that's highbrow or boring. So I bring these really engaging, promotable, wonderful, funny authors on the road and put them in front of readers and they've got followers for life. So that was always the strategy. And we've done it from the beginning. And, you know, last year was just before the pandemic hit. We were hearing all, it was just 
the beginning of March that we finished. We try to take them, you know, to, to places sort of maybe disenfranchised areas where there's a bookshop, but maybe people don't get a lot of authors to visit. And it's fantastic. And also the best team thing. So we, we have so much fun. You know, people want to join Arenda Books, not because they want their book nicely published, because they want to go on the road in like a partridge family kind of bus. <laughs> Good. And, and, you know, they're friends now. And, you know, throughout all of this, they've been talking to each other, um, you know, amongst themselves. And, you know, we had this little Christmas Zoom get together with all the authors and we all cried. You know, it, it's a really warm, friendly, nice group. And that makes this so much more fun. Not everyone can do that, Miranda. Can... No, I, I've yet to get a, a Viper Books bus. I'm sad to say. I mean, maybe you could get a private plane. It sounds more like you should have a plane for the name Viper. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do sound a bit more like a James Bond villain, which I am completely on board with. That's absolutely fine. Uh, one of my authors calls me a Viper Nest Mama, which I'm not sure what to do with. Um, I agree with Karen that, I mean, social media has made, especially in the last year, a lot easier to sort of maintain that continuous contact. Because, you know, if you're writing an email to an author saying, hello, you and I don't have anything immediate to talk about for the next two months. How are you? It's, it's a strange thing to do. But if you're talking to them on Twitter and they post something and you, you write a comment or you like it, that continuous engagement with your authors so they know that you're there and you're watching them, not in a weird way, and supporting them, it, it makes that kind of relationship much more pleasant. But also I've got an author who I've signed up that we haven't, we're actually going to announce next week. So the other day I emailed all the Vipers and said, we've got a new person. I've just convinced them to go on Twitter. Everyone follow him right now. And we're going to announce. And I want you all to, I want you all to be excited and be nice to him and say hello. And what and day because, is this happening next week? Because maybe well, you can tell us now, <laughs> depending on the day. So it's, this well, is going to be out on Wednesday. Okay. Well, I, I hope the bookseller have, we sent the press release today. So depend, you know, Karen will know the vagaries of the bookseller. They may well post it on Monday. Oh, the May Post. I mean, we, it's, I'm sure I can tell you. It's, um, it's a book called Five Minds, which is a speculative murder mystery um, set in a slightly near future world. And, um, but it's in a world where you can choose to uh, live for 150 years so long as you agree to share a body with four other people. So it's, the premise would be sort of, uh, you know, it's difficult to catch a murderer. It's almost impossible and you might be sharing a body with them. Ooh, and it's what's the name of, of the author? It's called, he's called Guy Morpus. Um, Guy Morpus. QC. Yeah, he's a QC. He just did a big case for Liverpool Football Club. So that's his claim to fame. <laughs> well, everyone everyone has to follow him on Twitter now. That's Miranda's <laughs> announcement. Is he a debut? He is. He's a debut. He wrote this book in secret, even from his wife, between court Ooh. cases. We're pitching it as The Seven Deaths of Evelyn Hardcastle meets Westworld. Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I get that. I get that. I was just going to say that interesting um, that speculative fiction seems to be really popular at the moment. Um, we sort of had either a really well or badly timed um, debut that we published in July called The Waiting Rooms, which was... Oh, I've sent, I'm sending Eve a proof of mine. <laughs> it's, it's so good. Oh, my God. But it's a world following a pandemic caused by antibiotic biotic resistance, which is, of course, probably the next thing that we're going to encounter globally. Um, but there's, it's so prescient. And, you know, she wrote it two years ago and we've been working on it 
for so long. And when it was publication time, I'm like, whoa, is this good or bad? And there were a lot of readers who said, I can't read anything pandemic based. But the speculative elements were so attractive to a lot of readers. You know, we had brilliant review coverage and it's actually we've reprinted twice. So there is definitely a market for that. I think it's a growing element. I really love speculative thrillers, especially because it just means your parameters are infinite. You know, I can have a murder mystery where people share bodies. It's fine. But no, we're publishing a book this April called The Plague Letters, which is about 1665 plague where there's a murder. And people keep on going, oh, my goodness. Wow, you did that fast. But no, 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 no. I signed this up in April 2019. This is in no way. Pe- people think that um, I've, I'm either tapping in or annoying them by tapping into COVID. But uh, completely. Classic one is Peter May on lockdown because he yes. wrote it. Couldn't get it published. Yeah. It was just languishing. And then the agent said, quick, a book, quick. We have to get it out. <laughs> oh, I, I love genre bending. I love a bit of an SF flavor. I really like a modern Gothic crossover. Um, oh, interesting. Oh, a well, big March well, book, which Karen has read. She'll know. That's that's about 14 different genres mixed together. Which one? Needless Street. Oh, I love that book. Katrina Ward, yeah. Yeah. This reminds me of something you were saying before, Miranda about getting books into supermarkets and and it's really hard, but also you only have a very short time to convey what the book is about. So this kind of two line pitch is so vital. And what's, do you remember what the one is for this sharing bodies one that you've just told us about? The two line pitch will change depending on who I'm pitching to. On the front cover, I think it's one body, five minds, one killer. I suppose a longer would be, it's hard to catch a murderer. It's impossible when you share a body with them. As Karen will know, your pitch will just, will change whether it's on Amazon or it's to a supermarket or to Waterstones. You have to sort of finesse it. That's something authors kind of forget about. I I know they think I've written the book and a lot of the time, it seems to me, they can be a little bit sniffy about doing anything beyond writing the book. And fair play, they've written the book. Uh, So they don't like to be in, some of them they say is they think being involved in promotion or marketing is a bit beneath them maybe. Or the idea of, um, we hate writing synopses, of course, that's the worst thing ever. Um, But then also like two-line pitches or elevator pitches, that can be very daunting. I mean, how important is it? That's part of the job of an agent is to send the manuscript to an editor and the good agents will always basically give you that strap line they thought of. They'll give you a good blurb. It's always very annoying if you get a manuscript in from an agent that goes, hi, Miranda, this is a book I think will work really well on your list. Regards, Jeff, or whatever. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. well, you know, I've got a lot of submissions. And unless the part of the point of that of that pitch and that blurb is for me to be able to look at it and say, is this even vaguely the parameters that I acquire? And if they send me a book, I don't know, a, a historical novel that's in no way crime, I can go back and immediately say, thank you very much, not for my list. They say, thank you for that. I'll update my records. But if I don't have that easy way to filter what I should be looking at, then it just gets ignored. So your agent should be really helping me with that and, and creating that pitch with you as an author, because it is vital. And yes, we get a lot of submissions. So Are there any that stand out that, from, that, that either of you have come across? Well, one, I mean, I've I'm always, there are so many good ones. I do think uh, Lucy Foley's The Guest List, which is a lonely, a remote island, an invitation to die for. It hits those buttons. You already know the location. You already know it's about a group of people being invited to an event. You already know that there's going to be murder. Essentially, you already know what that book is. It's, it hits all those boxes. There's not there's not a, a necessary word in there. I think it's very well crafted. What about yeah. you, Karen? Yeah, I mean, I think, well, from I think our six stories things, our strap lines are quite good. Our I, I sort can of... prompt you with this one. This is quite a good one. No, you don't. I don't know if you can read that. Oh, 
Will Carver, in this small town, no one is innocent. That's See, insular. you already know it's a small town, insular. There are dark secrets. It's telling you all the good, all the goodies inside. It's great. Yeah, and and it's amazing how long it can take to come up with a strapline. I did have one author who could just could didn't like anything I put forward, and I'm not joking when I say we had over 600 in the end. It, wow. It, the end I just I'm like okay forget it you know it was just the, it was it, it, it it's it's a hard thing as as Miranda said to get across a whole book in a short thing but make it sound appealing to as many readers as possible so you don't want to instantly sort of place it in a niche part of the market you you want everyone to think ooh, that sounds good whether it's something that they would normally read or not but you know as Miranda was saying for the agents you know if an author is submitting themselves they need to get that pitch right too you know the elevator pitch if you like and you know when I've done talks to aspiring authors I've you know that is probably the most important part of anything you do when you send in your book on submission um, even if it's just to an agent or a publisher direct or whatever you know when you pick up you know a book in a so weirdly I don't have a single book here um, <laughs> in- I know that the, the backdrop of the two publishers here blank walls yeah. That's I, because I all of mine are under you. my bed. Oh, okay. I have an entire library. Brandon's just brandishing a book now to prove that she has some. I've got bookshelves in the room. Look, shelves and shelves of books in here. I have a Zoom place, which with all my books behind me, and I normally sit there and it's so impressive. Um, But today I went for peace and quiet. Oh, Miranda, stop showing off. Um, (laughs) I'm just pulling books out like a rabbit out of a hat. They're all underneath my bed. I've got an old book here. I was updating listings. There you go. That's a weird one. Oh, Oh, look. Oh, I'm going to move in a minute to the other room. Um, It's it's, it's an arms race of showing off books now. What what, what about authors who are... Uh, so working in broadcasting, I had some colleagues who hated contributors and hated listeners and would never want to have any personal contact with them. I found it a bit strange because I, I like them all. But what about really awful agents or authors? Do you tolerate them if they're, you know, bringing the money or what do you do? No, I don't have room for that in my list, in my team, because it is a team and we all support each other. And if that doesn't work out, if there's someone who thinks they're bigger or better than anyone else, then they it doesn't work. You know, I have turned down really good books because I just thought the author would not fit into this group of like-minded, you know, mutually supportive people. And also, you know, I am editor. I'm also their publicist alongside. We have an, an external PR who works a few days a month. So I, I take them on the road. I'm their marketing person. If we're not going to get along and they're not going to get along with everyone else it's just not worth it and you know there there are people who say well I don't agree with social media or I you know I'm I don't need to tweet look at you know Maggie O'Farrell doesn't have a Twitter account or but you know Ian Rankin does and so does Val McDermott and you know they're active on their Mark Billingham they're active on there all the time chatting to people and they're the ones who are going to have the longevity because they've got a relationship with readers and you know with the with the advent of Kindle and people sort of downloading cheap deals you know you think okay I sold 9,000 copies or 90,000 copies of this book they're definitely going to buy the next one in the series well they're not 
Um, author loyalty is at an all-time low because people are buying cheap deals. So you have to find ways to create and maintain loyal authors. And that really involves constant engagement. And, you know, I've had to have conversations with a few of my authors who didn't feel that it was in their brief, um, just saying, okay, well, you know, it's your call, but, you know, I, I can go so far. People that follow you like you, you know, people that follow me like maybe one of my authors, maybe a few of them, maybe all of them. But the fact is you have the most dynamic, engaged potential audience. And the more you engage with them, the more books you're going to sell. And that's not even a question. I, I 100% agree. I um, I didn't, I wasn't a big, I mean, I had Twitter before I started Viper, but quite frankly, I, my the job I had before, I was so busy, I didn't have time to, to tweet as much as I would have, I, you know, wasn't. But now with a new imprint, it is a very large part of what I see my job as being because... Yeah. In a sense, you know, Karen and I, we have to be the brand and also our authors really have to engage with their readership. And also because, you know, it's such a lovely, the crime community is such a lovely group of people. There's nothing to be lost by taking part. It's a beautiful, wonderful corner of Twitter. Um, The vast majority of my authors, even if they weren't on Twitter before I signed them up, they are now. Yeah. Um, and already having the existing authors on there, welcoming them, them in means they get to only be on the nice part of Twitter. But I, I don't I don't understand it when when authors decline to engage with their readership on whatever platform they choose, whether that's Facebook or Instagram or Twitter. It doesn't matter. But people need to, in a sense, see a human side of you. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say that humanizes the people. Yeah. You know, you're not just a name on a book, you're a person. And, you know, the little personal things you add in, when you engage with people, that feels like they feel like they know you. Um, and and that that's a relationship that is going to sustain your sales. And it's not all about sales. It's about, it's, it's about, you know, being part of a community and, you know, what you give, you also get back. You know, and do you advise them to, you know, get a particular type of dog or cat that will like look good on Instagram? <laughs> I don't go that far. I have told one of my authors who lives in a beautiful area. She lives in a beautiful area of Cornwall. I'm like, you're surrounded by fantastic sheep and horses. Please post some pictures. Everyone yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Shetland pony. I mean, I'm stuck in London. All I could photograph would be a mangy fox. If you've got wonderful wildlife, share it. It's all yeah. fun content. Well, it just, it, you know, it shows parts of your personality. And, and you know, that instead of just being a name on a book, you are, they think, oh, it's, it's, it's you know, it's Matt again. You know, the, the dark prince of Northumbria Noir. Oh, I love him. He's so funny. Oh, I love Matt. Matt, yeah, I ro- Matt trying to roller skate. That made my Christmas. Exactly. And, and that, <laughs> yeah, you can't, uh, yeah. The soft side of our dark prince, um, our <laughs> scary writer. Uh, but it worked because it's, Karen it's really sent important. me one of his books and then I went out and bought the rest. See, there we go. Oh, thank you. I've just given Karen 30 quid or whatever, just because I was charmed <laughs> by Matt on roller skates. It works. <laughs> yeah. Okay, we're, we're, we just have a couple of minutes left. Um, I suppose, what would be one piece of advice that you would give to say, a new author wanting to get published, one thing that they should keep in mind that maybe you've often seen that people don't? Um, uh, well, I would I would focus on what I was talking about earlier, um, the, the fact that we, we buy books, but we also not buy people, but we have to work with people. So, you know, when you, you know, make sure that you are, you know, findable, 
first of all, if we're sort of looking around to, to, you know, let's say it's an agent submission, here's the author. Well, I might like to go and see what this author talks about. And, you know, are they engaging? Like, is it someone that looks like they'd be good to work with, you know, will work hard to promote their books, but engage nicely with people. You know, if you, if you go on there and find a series of rants and they're blocking everyone or they're blocked, then that's probably someone you'd avoid. Um, but but really be crystal clear about your book, you know, if you're submitting directly or even to, to find an agent, because you, you you know, as we we're saying, the blurb, this blurb has to, you know, we have 30 seconds to get a reader in a bookshop with a blurb that we write. Well, you've got an equal amount of time with an agent or a publisher when you put your book out on submission. So spend a lot of time getting that right. You know, it, you might just think it doesn't matter. It does. You know, when you do your homework before you submit, do not send me a dear sir's letter because I'm not a sir and there's not even multiple sirs here. So, you know, that kind of, hi, Karen, I really like this book on your list. Um, that is going to get you a lot further than a generic letter that you've clearly, sometimes in different color, cut and pasted. You're a person, here's your fantastic book. You've given me it in a nutshell. That's past the starting line. You know, it's got further than a lot of books ever will. I'm not sure how I can follow up on that. I mean, I suppose at the moment, especially, there is this, this glorification of the big hot debut that got the six-figure deal and is everywhere. And I think that can be very, very disheartening to people, especially probably to authors who have written five incredibly well-reviewed books but have yet to get a six-figure deal. And they feel like they're... That, you know, they feel like they're, they're, they're past their sexy 20s and can no longer reach those heights. And I would say to authors, the vast majority of authors, you are going to have to write and publish quite a few books to build yeah. your name. That's the that's 99 percent of writers. So even if you don't hit it big first time, that's that's fine. And also there's a there's a price to be paid to be a big hot debut because your second book may not do as well. Yeah. Karen Sullivan of Orenda and Miranda Jewess of Viper. Thank you both very much. You've been listening to We'd Like a Word, talking about publishers with me, Paul Waters. And me, Stephen Colgan. Bye-bye. Bye, Bye. Bye.